fear not. I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. Is that an amazing sentence? There is no other faith tradition, no other school of philosophical thought, nothing else in all the world that has a sentence or a concept like this. I have redeemed you. No other God looks upon the whole earth in all of its troubles, in all of its turmoil, in all of its rebelliousness, and looks upon all of that and says, Fear not, I have redeemed you. Do you hear those words being spoken to you this morning? God has redeemed your life. This is what is unique about the God of the Bible, redemption. So what exactly is redemption? How does it work? How does it look? Why has he done it? Well, Isaiah 43 offers us four aspects of redemption that I want us to think about this morning. Four aspects plus a bonus about redemption. That if we take them in, if we understand them, if we see how we are implicated in these aspects of redemption, I think our lives will be changed. So let's seek to understand these aspects of redemption. What is redemption? The first thing we learn in Isaiah 43 about redemption is that redemption happens in relationship. God's redemption for God's people happens in relationship. Did you hear it? God says, I have called you by name. You are mine. I have called you by name. You are mine. Now, I looked at the Hebrew of this text a little bit this past week. And interestingly, that word I've called you is a little bit deeper. It's a little bit richer than what we have in our English translation. It really means I've called you to me by name. Not just called you by name, it's I've called you to me by name. And when I thought about that, I immediately was brought back to when Nancy and I first learned that we were pregnant for the very first time. And we were so excited. And one of the main things I was excited about was that we got to pick a name. There was going to be a human being coming into the world who would have life and have friendships and have relationships and would probably outlive us. And this person who would be on earth would have a name that we got to choose. And amazingly, when this little tiny ball of flesh existed first, we would say, Riley, hi, Riley. And some weeks later, we saw him turn his head and look when he recognized his own name. That's what God says about his relationship with us here in Isaiah 43. I've called you by name. You are mine. Redemption happens in relationship. God calls us by name. And when we respond to him, that's what he wants from us. That's what he longs for. He wants to be in relationship with us. No other God, no other philosophical school can offer a God, a being, the creator who calls his people by name, calls people to him. I was talking with my older sister this past week in Michigan about this idea. She's a child therapist. 
And she said, you know, one of the deepest griefs of parents of some children with autism is that some children with autism don't respond when their name is called. And that is a deep grief of some of those parents because they call out the name of their child and the child just doesn't even look. Do you realize that some of us, and I choose my words carefully here, I know this is provocative, some of us have spiritual autism in that sense. That God is constantly calling to us by name. He's constantly manifesting himself in our lives. We hear his words in the Bible. We hear his words in the songs that we sing. We hear his words in our everyday lives. We hear him calling to us and we don't respond. We don't turn to him. God longs for us to be in relationship with him. He's calling our name. He's calling to us. We belong to him. And some of us go about our day and we never turn our head and look. And it breaks God's heart. That is the first aspect of redemption that I see in Isaiah 43. It happens in relationship. The second one is that redemption provides refuge. Redemption provides refuge. Did you hear it in verse 2? When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Now, there's some interesting things going on in this text. Isaiah is trying to paint us a picture. He's talking about how God will be with us in every type of situation. He says, when you pass through the waters, that's the general sense, waters, I'll be with you. And, you, and through rivers, that's specific, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, again general, you shall not be burned, and the flame, which is specific, shall not consume you. Isaiah, I think, is trying to show us that no matter what type of situation we are in, the big, the small, the challenging, the rewarding, no matter what, if it's a river or waters, if it's a flame or fires, God will be with us providing refuge. Did you hear that amazing lyric that Anna led us in this morning? The God who reigns forever, he's a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. I used to hang out with this guy in, in uh, New York City, and he was connected with quite a few famous people, uh, politicians and actors and so forth. And whatever, whenever any of their names were mentioned, he would insert, he's a, uh, he's a friend of mine. <laughs> it was actually really annoying, you know. You'd always hear, oh, okay, this is just his opportunity to tell us he's a friend of mine. These powerful people, he's a friend of mine. Well, did you hear what you all declared this morning as we sang? The one who reigns forever. He's a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. You declared it to the children. Now hear it for yourselves. No matter what you're going through, you have a friend who is the God of the universe, the one who has armies of angels, the one who will reign forever. He's a friend of yours. He has called you by name. Redemption happens in relationship. Redemption provides a refuge. Why do we seek refuge in other things? Why do we seek protection? Why do we seek companionship in our money, in how many friends we have? Some of us even seek it in things like alcohol. Why do we do that? The God of angel armies 
is always by our side. Redemption provides refuge from the strongest being in all the universe, God himself. Thirdly, redemption costs a ransom. It happens in relationship. It provides refuge. And it costs a ransom. Let's read verses 3 through 5 to understand. It says this, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Now, what's going on here? Why is God naming these other nations? We have to remember that God's people, the Israelites, they're no longer in Israel here in the second half of Isaiah. They've been taken captive. They're enslaved in Babylon. And God knew that in order to free them from their captivity, in order to free them from their enslavement, he would have to pay the ransom price to release them. So that's what God's promising here in these verses. He's saying, I'd give Egypt, I'd give Cush, I'd give Seba in exchange for you. Why was he naming these old empires? Basically, these are the wealthiest, richest empires in the ancient world. God is trying to tell his people that he would pay any price to get them back. Egypt, Cush, Seba, I'll pay any price. These are the most expensive, costly empires in all the world. God sees that his people are in captivity in Babylon, and he says, you need ransom, and I would pay anything to get you out. Now, how are we implicated in this story? Redemption costs a ransom, and if God was willing to pay that price for his people in Babylon, He's willing to pay even more for those of us who are captive, not to Babylon, but to sin. You know what Jesus said was his mission? Mark 10, verse 45, he says, I have come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life, you know how it finishes? As a ransom for many. God looked at all of the world and all of our captivity to sin. And he said, I will pay any price to get them out of their captivity. I will pay the ransom. And God knew what it would cost to get all of us out of our captivity to sin. It would cost his own life, his own blood. That's why he went to the cross in our place to pay the ransom that was necessary to free us from our captivity to sin. So now I'll just hear these words again. I'm just going to switch the words from Cush and Seba and Egypt to what God actually paid for us to release us from our captivity. Hear these words. Just let these words penetrate your heart this morning. This is God speaking to you. Isaiah 43, verses 3 through 5. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I give myself as your ransom. Myself in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I give myself in return for you. 
myself in exchange for your life. Redemption. It costs a ransom. And that ransom has been paid in full by Jesus Christ. You hear the offer? He gives an exchange. He says, I will give myself in exchange for you because our sin means that we deserve to be on the cross. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve God's punishment. But God said, I don't want you to have to go there. So I'll pay the price, the ransom price, to release you from that eternal captivity to sin. Have you made that exchange? Have you said, yes, Lord, please, your life for mine? If not, I invite you to do it even now. Redemption. It happens in relationship. It provides refuge. It costs a ransom. And fourthly, redemption brings rebirth. Redemption brings rebirth, which leads to return and restoration. Redemption brings rebirth, which leads to return and restoration. Let's pick up the story in verse 18. God says to his people, who he is redeeming, he says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Now, for the Israelites, he was trying to explain to them that while they're captive to the Babylonians, God was paying the high price to redeem them. And God was doing a new thing. He's saying, remember not the former things. Don't dwell on the way things were, but look to what I'm doing. There's going to be a return home. I'm doing a new thing in you. See how it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In the New Testament, we would be given the same exact truth, except we're not being released from captivity to, Babylon, to the Babylonians, but from our captivity to sin. And in Colossians 3, for example... It invites us to not think about the, the way we used to be when we were captive to sin, but live a new life in Christ. Colossians 3 verse 3 says this, For I have died. It is no longer I who live, but I, my life is now hidden with Christ in God. Remember not the former things. Remember not the way you used to be captive to sin, but now live fully for God, your Redeemer, the one who has released you, who's paid the price, who longs to be in relationship with you. Rebirth. And it leads to return and restoration. Continuing in verse 19, halfway through, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He's talking about their homecoming, back from Babylon, back to to Jerusalem. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. What he's describing for the Israelites is a way home, a pathway home, that they would return. And even on their way, you have to remember the Israelites, when they traveled from Israel to Babylon, they saw wild beasts out there in the wilderness they had never seen before. They thought, oh, we're in trouble now. Not only are we enslaved to the Babylonians, we're in this terrible wilderness. We're experiencing wild beasts and jackals we've never seen before. God is saying to them, when I bring you home, when you're born anew, when I send you back to your place of identity and belonging, I will be restoring even the broken things in creation. Those enemies that once threatened your life, they will honor me now because I am restoring things. I'm making all things new. Redemption leads to rebirth. 
which then leads to return and restoration. Now, when I hear this part of the story, I can't help but thinking about the prodigal son who's out there in his place of rebellion, his place of sin, the the dirty pig pen. And God raises him up and sends him back home. He's expecting to become a slave in his father's household, but no. In his rebirth, he gets full sonship. He gets all things restored to him. Now that is the promise for us if we are redeemed by God. We get a new life We get rebirth, and we get to return home to God, where He restores all the things that once attacked us or once were broken in our lives. Redemption. The question for us this morning when we think about what redemption has given us in rebirth and return and restoration is, have we come home? Have we run to Him like that prodigal son? Have we received His full embrace and enjoyed the feast of his love. Redemption. It happens in relationship. It provides a refuge. It costs a ransom. It brings rebirth. But finally, the last line of our reading today, redemption demands a response. Look at the end of, uh, uh, look at verse 21. The people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Are you a redeemed one? Are you in relationship with God? Is he your refuge? Do you understand the ransom that's been paid for your life? Have you been reborn? Are you a redeemed person? If so, this is what your life should look like. You ought to be praising the God who has redeemed you. Just picture now the Israelites as they're traveling back from Babylon to Jerusalem, their home. What songs were they singing to each other? What praise were they declaring? They must have been shouting God's name just as they had heard God call their names. That is the Christian life. Those of us who've been redeemed, we've left the old things behind, our place of captivity to sin, and we're going home to be with the Father forever. Our lives should be ones of total praise. Redemption demands a response. It happens in relationship, it provides refuge, it costs a ransom, and it brings rebirth, and it demands the response of praise. Let us live as people who are redeemed and who praise God with our redeemed lives. Amen.